Dear fellow redeemed. There's nothing quite like Ash Wednesday. And especially our, uh, our first reading from 2 Samuel 12. There's nothing quite like Ash Wednesday in our first reading to disabuse us of the notion of all the excuses. And to remove from us the, the shreds that we try to cover sin up with. There's nothing quite like that first reading paired with the preceding chapter that you typically don't read to the children right before bed and not at least until they're, what, nine or ten years old. That previous chapter, when all the kings go off to war in the springtime, when kings are out leading their troops, King David stayed at home. And there's nothing quite like, especially those two chapters put together to provide the context for the psalm that we sang, but most of all to disabuse us of the notion that sin is something apart from me, it's just a matter of circumstance, and I've got a good enough reason for any of it, all of it. Because David had it all. David had the power, the authority, David had peace, and God said, if that weren't enough, I would have given you more. David had everything that he could have asked for, but the one thing, the one thing that he wanted was to exercise that power for his own good, for his own benefit, for his own pleasure, and to exercise that power in a way that says, I can do what I want, despite what God has said. that you and I might be understanding if David were a victim of circumstance, that if he were like the protagonist in, um, in Victor Hugo's classic, classic book, Les Miserables, you understand that that man was stealing bread to feed his family. And in one sense, it is understandable in that he is he's upholding God's command to preserve life even as he is breaking God's command to not steal, that you and I in a worldly sense might understand that. But here's David, not a victim of circumstance, not in the slightest. There's nothing else that he could have wanted, nothing else that he could have needed. He had God's word in his heart. He had it there before him on the page. And for, for the sake of all that's holy, God chose to use him to write some of the very words of Scripture that you and I sing. And one sober reading of 2 Samuel 11 and 12 strips away all the excuses that sin is simply a matter of circumstance. That sin is something outside of us. And, and you see this. That sin is something outside of us. If we just fix the societal problems, then sin and crime will go away. Maybe in an external sense. But all it does is to make that sin hide more deeply. That there is King David sitting on the throne, having acted in his own best interest, and we see him thinking that he got away with it even as he suffers under the weight of a guilty conscience, 
and any other ramifications that we hear about as in Psalms 32 and 38 and 51. My bones wasted away with me while I sat in my distress. But still, still, we need Ash Wednesday to bring us face to face with exactly what sin is. That it's not something outside of us as if it's just an act that we do or that we refrain from. And that sin isn't something that we educate out of people with the best education system. And if we just correct that and change that and, and have a better system in our society, then we could have people who are externally good. No, looking at 2 Samuel 11 and 12, God's law is seen in all of its clarity. And it's echoed. Because you and I need this this Ash Wednesday. God's law is echoed here in our first reading with all the clarity that sin isn't external to you and me. Sin is reflected, reflected from our very heart. That sin isn't external to you and me, that just as you or I might have ashes on the hand or on the forehead, it is the reminder that, that God had created Adam from dust. And that you and I derive our human flesh from that same dust. That even Eve was made from Adam's own rib, not from new dust. And when Adam broke that command, do not eat from the tree, then Eve was counted guilty. And all of Adam and Eve's children, down to the present day, accounted guilty, all those born in the natural way. For dust you are, to dust you shall return. That is the thud of God's law. But our reading from 2 Samuel highlights that sin is more than just, well, I guess I'm going to die one day, so that must mean I'm sinful. And that sin is not just external circumstances that result in poor choices. But that sin is this active thing that we can't scrub out. That sin is this active attitude that whether in a large way or in a silent and sneaky way, like in David's life, that sin will do anything and everything that it can to counteract God's work. We see that in the life of David. That David had everything. He wasn't a victim of circumstance. That David had the power, the prestige, the reputation. David had all the peace and security. Everything that a person could have wanted is the way that God describes it. And yet, and yet, let's not fall prey to the idea that if you or I were in David's shoes, everything would have been different. Because that's where it sneaks in. That's where it sneaks in. That if my circumstances were different, then I would not have acted that way. That if, if somebody had treated me differently, I would not have responded that way. That if I had the power and the prestige that David had, then I wouldn't be worried about providing for my tomorrow or greedy about gaining for my today. That if God had provided with me with the sort of spouse that we hear about here in 2 Samuel 12, then surely there would have been no reason and no occasion for any sort of argument. 
that if God had provided for me with this sort of peace and security, this sort of stability that he had given to David, then surely I wouldn't have any occasion for sin. There would be no reason for me to speak against our elected officials who are given to us by God if God only provided for me the way that he did for David. That if God had provided for me so that I had more than enough food on the table without having to scrimp and save and reconfigure the budget every other month because of the, the price of, of life, then, then there would be no reason and no occasion for me to have anything but love, adoration, and trust in this God who has given me everything. It's not that difficult, is it? To understand that line of thinking. That line of thinking that says, things would be different in my life. That line of thinking that says, the sin, even the, the little sin that I don't even see anymore, as well as the bigger sin that I try to curb whenever possible, at least when I'm around other people, the little sin or the big sin, it's all external to me. It's nothing about me. It's a matter of circumstance. And if it only, only just changed my external circumstances, if that person were better, if my job were better, if fill in the blank, it doesn't matter, does it? And there's nothing like Ash Wednesday in 2 Samuel 11 and 12 to completely strip away the idea that it's all out there and nothing to see here. Thank God for that. That we have ashes on our foreheads, not or on our hand or simply in the repentance of the heart. Not as some external show and display of piety, but an external admission of the fact that I know I am only dust, and to dust I shall return. I know that I derive my human clay from Adam himself, and just as his sin was at the tree, so my sin was there too. And just as my, um, my grandparents and great-grandparents all the way up the line, just as all of them died for their sin, I will too. But we don't celebrate this somber Ash Wednesday as if simply sitting in a hopeless pile of ashes. As if to say, well, here I am and hopefully God at some point will have mercy on me. That the sign of the cross is there painted in the ash. That the God who knew no sin the God who never had an experience of sin and did not sin in any way, even though he was tempted in every way. And you talk about power and authority to do whatever he wanted. And yet he did not use that for his own personal gain. And even to the extent that he submitted himself to God's will. All the way to the death of the cross. That this God chose to join our humanity chose to be born of a sinful person, the Virgin Mary. And through the miracle of the Incarnation, God preserved him from the, the sin that was passed on parent to child so that he who was not born in the natural way, he didn't have a human dad, um, he who was not born in the natural way was born without sin. And yet he is fully human, same as you or I, with, with rational soul. That means he thinks and has emotions and has a, a will to act with rational soul and human flesh. 
that this Jesus Christ, who from eternity to eternity is the Son of God, is at the same time, you could say, about a um, 2,000 and, let's see, 28-year-old Jewish man. At one and the same time. Now this Jesus Christ joined himself to our humanity so that Ash Wednesday wouldn't simply be a day of despair. That this Jesus joined himself to our humanity so that the story of 2 Samuel 11 and 12 wouldn't be simply the divine closing of the prison door. But the beautiful announcement that Nathan is leading up to, the Lord has taken away your sin, you are not going to die. That the ashes of Ash Wednesday, yes, they resemble the ashes that um, the carbon that God has made us from. And perhaps even the ashes that would be poured in the sign of a cross on your casket or mine when it, before it gets lowered into the earth. But it's in the sign of a cross. The exact same sign of the cross that was placed upon the head and on the heart at your holy baptism. Because this Jesus Christ joined our humanity, not just as somebody who is fully human like you or I, but also as somebody who would take on your sin and mine. Not as, as if we were simply victims of circumstance. People who grew up in a sinful world and had no choice. But he saw the depth of the sin that we could not root out. That from the heart springs only evil all the time and every human sinful human desire and that this Jesus saw it and took it upon himself and chose to act in a way so that our celebration of Ash Wednesday isn't some just uh, repeating of historical events like the historical event of Good Friday and the resurrection but that those historical events are brought into your life in a personal and individual way through his tools that his announcement of forgiveness, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That those words spoken by a fellow human hit your eardrum. And those are the words that God uses to bring forgiveness to you. And if that weren't enough, that the sign of the cross on your forehead, and whether you wash it off after the service or later on this evening, that the sign of the cross on the forehead is, is there in ash, yes, reminding us that I am only ash, and to ash and dust I, I shall return. But it is the sign of the cross that my Jesus died on that cross for me, and in my baptism he made me his own. He washed away my sin. And even though I know there is nothing good within me, that is my sinful flesh, at the same time, that this Jesus has chosen to make me his own. That this Jesus has chosen to declare about you exactly what he won for you at the cross. That you can look at those that you worship with and those that you live with as people who have had the same declaration pronounced over them. And if that weren't enough, after God shows the depth of sin there in 2 Samuel 11 and 12 and the announcement of forgiveness, he does even more for you and for me. Because we might say, you know, here in that absolution when the pastor says, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the sinful heart says, but not me and not that. And that's where our Lord Jesus invites you to his table. And he says, take and eat, take and drink. As if as if he needed another way 
to convey to you his forgiveness, his sincerity, his earnestness, so that you know who you are. Somebody whose his words have hit your eardrums, his water has dripped off your head, and his body and blood have been tasted in your mouth, so that you see. Ash Wednesday. Yes, we confess that we are only ash, and to dust we shall return. But thanks be to God, it's the shape of a cross. That Ash Wednesday is a celebration of the cross and the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, where he has said, in all sincerity, he knows what sin is. But he has said, dear Christian, that he has taken it, and he has reminded you again and given to you again your forgiveness in what you have heard, your forgiveness in what you have received at the baptismal font, and still again your forgiveness in what you taste here at the table. And so God sent Nathan, the prophet Nathan, to King David. And thanks be to God that God still sends people, men, to preach in his pulpits and in his churches to announce to God's people again the reality that we see. Yes, I am only Ash. But Ash Wednesday is a Wednesday in the shape of a cross. Amen.